revelation, brand new insight, things you've never knew before we're going to learn, things that you thought you knew pretty thoroughly, well, God's going to bring a whole new level, a depth of understanding to it. Um, all the things that we need to be successful in, in life and to more fully reach our God-given potential, all those things come by his revelation. Um, one revelation from God can change so much. You know, sometimes we, we struggle in life because we feel like we're doing everything we're supposed to do, and yet things still aren't going right, you know? You, you, we think we're supposed to do, uh, you know, that, that we're being obedient and we're doing all those things. Sometimes what we need is just a revelation from God, just that one key that will break everything and change everything. Um, a revelation can change so much. It can change and transform a relationship that's falling apart, finances that just never seem to make ends meet, uh, healing that just seems hopeless. You know, continue in prayer and pressing in for what, you know, what, what we're missing in releasing the Lord's healing, um, the restoration in Cheryl's life. Glenda just came home yesterday on hospice care. You know, the, according to the doctors, she has no more than two months, but we're not standing on facts. We're standing on the truth of God that she is healed and restored. And I know she has the faith to receive it too. Even, even in her condition, she's standing what God has said. She knows that God can. There's nothing too hard for him. And so we just want to keep pressing in and believing for that and just praying for everyone. There's so many, so many who are afflicted with different things, but, um, but we, we know the one who is able to break the curse in our lives because he paid the price for it, right? to break the curse and release his blessing instead. Um, you know, maybe it's just people you can't ever seem to see eye to eye with. Whatever it is that you might need, really what we need is a revelation from God. We, we just need that, that revelation that can radically transform it. Um, a few things that we can see very clearly, cover to cover in God's word, is that, um, you know, first of all, there's, as I just said, there's nothing too hard for our God. Nothing too hard for him. Nothing. And we need to really believe that. Like, we can say it and we can, you know, know it, but we need a revelation that there is truly nothing impossible for our God. Right? Nothing too hard for him. That God also chooses to intentionally work in and through mankind, his creation, you and I. God chooses to work the miraculous through us. It's just what he chooses to do. And that our thoughts and ways are far, far, far from his, right? Way too often. I mean, think about some of these things. Um, you know, that, that, that God's, God's way, the way that he chose to do things. Um, a prison break, you know, you want to bust out of Alcatraz, you know? I love watching those kind of action movies where they do stuff like that. But you know what God's plan was? to set all the captives free in jail for the biggest jailbreak in history, sing some worship. Bust out those hymns and songs of praise. Paul and Silas, they're sitting there worshiping God. Next thing you know, every prison door breaks open. A prison break by singing and worshiping. Marching around silently for six days and then shouting on the seventh day. You can go to the world's smartest engineers, you know, and some of the ones that are raising up like uh, Isaac here, you know. No engineer is going to tell you that's the way to take down a fortified wall, right? <laughs> right? 
They, they would never recommend that you do that, you know? In fact, they don't even recommend, which I was really disappointed to see this on Mythbusters, they don't even use wrecking balls anymore, you know? It was just so much fun to see a wrecking ball. Back in my cartoon days in the 90s, you know, those were so much fun. But um, no, now they use dynamite, and they don't even explode things, they just implode them. Just, just drops into rubble, you know? But man, God's way of breaking down walls into rubble was just raising the shout on the seventh day. Think about that. Um, if you go into, you know, and you list in some of the world's greatest, strongest, most powerful armies, they're not going to hand you a trumpet in an empty jar as your tools of warfare, right? But isn't that what God gave to Gideon? In fact, God whittled down that army to like 300 men. Think about it. But it was effective, right? God's ways are not always. Optometrists, they are not trained in school. Because I asked Dr. Selden about this. He, he confirmed it. They never teach anyone to spit in the dirt and to make mud and then rub it in their eyes to bring healing. They're not trained to do that in optometry school, you know? It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? But yet, didn't Jesus do that and heal a blind man? Um, a financial consultant, they are never, ever, ever going to tell someone who is far behind on their taxes to uh, go look in a fish's mouth, right, to, to pay the tax. They're not going to do that. But didn't Jesus tell Peter that? Then he pulled out a four drachma coin and paid the temple tax, you know? It's God's way. No caterer would ever, ever look at an event where you've got to feed thousands of people and order... Five loaves of bread and two fish. Like, yeah, that should do it. <laughs> should have some leftovers too, right? You know? No caterer is ever going to do that. Um, a town that has a poisoned water source that is killing people. No scientist is going to test that and tell you, ah, oh, you know what you need to do? Just, here's a bowl. Go, go throw some salt in it. It'll be fine forever. It'll, it'll cure that water forever, ever, ever, ever. And yet, that's exactly what happened. Think about it. These were revelations from God. His way, not our way. And I could go on and on and on and on if you've ever read the Bible. I mean, there's, there's so many things that just don't make sense from a worldly perspective, and yet they were the keys to success. They were the keys to success and they came as a result of a revelation from God. Success was not achieved by worldly, um, by worldly patterns that we follow, by worldly knowledge, by worldly wisdom, but rather through simply obeying a revelation of God, they were successful in whatever it was that they needed to do. I mean, you name it, you know, military defeats, um, scientific breakthrough, you, you, you could name anything across the board, and you'll find an example in the Word of God of how a revelation from God brought success that, that makes no sense from a worldly perspective. Just blows your mind, right? And these also were not a permanent pattern to follow. I'm sure that Peter checked hundreds of mouths of fish looking for that coin again, right? But never found another one. It was a timely word. He had to step into what the Lord was calling him to do at that time to be successful. And it wasn't a pattern. 
Take a look at the way that Jesus brought healing to people. Very rarely did he ever do the same thing twice. But what do we do? Just ask your medical insurance companies. Well, if I'm going to pay for it, you got to do this, 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 and this. And I don't care if it makes no sense. You still have to go through this test, this test, and this test before you can move on to this surgery. You know, we, we love our patterns to follow. And even in the church, you know, I prayed for somebody this way and they were healed of this. And then every time someone comes forward with that, we pray that way. But you rarely see success again after that, don't you? Because it's all about that revelation. It's all about relationship and being successful in the kingdom of God. Only in that place is success ever found. In fact, we know this scripture very well, right? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not in your own understanding. This doesn't make sense. What is happening here, right? Don't understand it. In all of your ways... Submit to him, and he will make your path straight. It's, all of us know these verses. Most of us have it memorized, but it is a, a vastly different thing to know it and to have it revealed. Where, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. Lord, this doesn't make sense. I can't understand what you're doing, but I'm just going to lean on you. I'm going to submit to you. Because all of these events that were recorded were recorded to reveal the limits of our human understanding, right? And the limitlessness of God's knowledge. As God himself stated it here in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. He just declared it. You don't think the way I think. You don't act the way that I act. You, you just, you're not getting it. In fact, he said in verse 9 that as high as the heavens are from the earth, and that's pretty far, right? Neither so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that reveals that key that it's only through relationship that we can be successful. It's only through relationship with him that we can find our breakthrough, that we can finally shake those chains off and walk in freedom, that we finally can be healed and restored and delivered. It's only if we humble ourselves, we lean not on our own understanding, that we can excel beyond the limitations of our own thoughts and ways. And as far as the humility part is concerned, well, Paul reminds us that a lot of us don't have very far to go to lay down our human intellect, right? First Corinthians, if you want to turn there, I'm going to be in First Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 um, a lot today. That's what we're going through, First Corinthians chapter 1 and 2. Paul said in verse 26, brothers and sisters, think about who you were when you were called. Not, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble by birth. But God chose you. He chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, things that were not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's all because of him that we are in Christ Jesus. And he has become for us wisdom from God. He has become for us our righteousness. He has become for us our holiness and our redemption. See, we're not much of anything. In fact, some of us might even be despised by people. Anybody here despised by anybody on the face of the earth? Anybody? Am I, am I the only one that people don't like? I rub people the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> but he chose us because it's not about us. It's about him. 
It's about him. Too often we overcomplicate things. We exist because God knitted us together in our mother's womb, right? It's the only reason we exist. Because God chose to knit us together. Then we're born and we begin to think that we are something. We begin to think that we know something. We, we begin to kind of think highly of ourselves, right? We live according to our own flesh. And prayerfully, at some point, we come to our senses and we give our lives back into His hands. As parents, it's hard to do with your children. You have to realize He loves them more than I do. You just got to let go and let God, right? Trust Him, not leaning into our own understanding. Perfectly, at some point, we, we give our lives back into His hands and realize that all that we are is because of Him. And that's why He continues in verse 31 and says, Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So if you're going to brag about something, brag about the Lord and what He's done in and through you, because that's what we are. We are a result of His working. And in fact, here Paul was quoting this in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast about their wisdom. Let not the strong boast about their strength or the rich boast in their riches. All of us have seen this happen either in our life or in someone else's lives. You can't trust in your riches, right? Here today, gone tomorrow. If you've never done it, look at some of these testimonies of lottery winners, right? It's not good how things end. Strength that's here today, gone tomorrow. You know, Sharon Glenda, they're a couple of the strongest women that I know. I wouldn't want to oppose them. I feel bad for their children growing up, you know. <laughs> Strong women, but how strength can be so easily removed, you know. Um, wisdom. We thought we knew something, you know. I mean, we used to fill people's bodies with leeches because it will suck out the sickness and disease, you know. We thought we knew something. That was leading, cutting edge, you know. I love it. It's like some of the old, you know, medical, um, you know, uh, posters and, you know, people were, you know, using marijuana and everything and just uh, all these things that we thought, you know, we, we just didn't understand, you know, what was happening, all this wisdom. But anyways, he goes on in verse 24, he says, but let the one who boasts just boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I'm the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. In these I delight, declares the Lord. If we're going to boast about anything, we just boast that we have the understanding to know Him, that, that we knew enough to go to God and to trust Him. Paul continues to emphasize the role of our humility in receiving God's revelation and also releasing His power. It wasn't that Paul was not highly educated and very well spoken. He was very highly educated man, very eloquent in his speech. But when he went to the church in Corinth, he didn't rely on his own skill sets or his own abilities. He relied on the Lord alone. In this way, people would come, not to put their faith in Paul, but put their faith in the Lord, right? Now, we know they screwed this up if you know the second letter, but anyways, one's fallen Paul, one's fallen, you know, Apollo. God's wisdom is revealed. And so Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you want to read along with me. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. In fact, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
He, he majored on the major. Sometimes we major on minors and we get this message mixed up, you know? That's, that's what religion does, is it, it makes us, you know, focus on things that aren't nearly as important. Christ and Him crucified. In verse 3, He said, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching weren't with wise and persuasive words. They were just with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So if you ever feel led to share the good news about Jesus with somebody, and you're scared to death to do it, and you're like literally trembling, don't feel bad. You're among good company. Paul was right there with you, and and he was a pretty effective evangelist, right? He said, however, in verse 6, we do, we do speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age, not the rulers of this age, who they're coming to nothing. No, what we declare is God's wisdom. It was a mystery that had been hidden so that God destined it for our glory even before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it because if they would, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived or in other translations, what mind has imagined, those are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what, what, more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Those are God's plans for us. And most of us are familiar with this verse, and I think we even quoted a few times during the service this morning. However, the absolute best part about all of this is found hidden in the very next verse. And we don't often quote this next verse. We don't go into this. In verse 10, more than we can think, ask, or imagine, but those are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. They may be more than you can think, ask, or imagine, but God wants to reveal them to you by His Spirit. By the Spirit. By the Spirit within us. I love how these verses are stated in the message translation. You know, I always study different translations. I don't often go to the message, but this is, this is pretty good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, We, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet firm on spiritual ground. But it's not popular wisdom. It's not the fashionable wisdom of high-priced experts that, that will be out of date in just about a year or so. <laughs> Isn't that the wisdom of the world, right? You know, go to your Dr. Phil to work out all your relationship materials and, you know, whatever. It's not that wisdom. God's wisdom is something mysterious because it goes deep into the interior of his plans and purposes. You won't find it laying on the surface. It's not the latest message. It's more like the oldest message. What God determined as the way to bring out his best in us long before we ever even arrived on the scene. The experts of our day, they don't have a clue about what this eternal plan is. Because if they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of God, designed life on a cross. That's why we have this scriptural text, that no one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. But you have seen and heard it, because God, by His Spirit, has brought it all out into the open before you. So the same verses in the message translation. God's revelation, it may be contradictory 
to what expert opinion is at the time, but it is undoubtedly the best advice you could ever receive. It has the power to transform anything, anything in this world. It goes beyond surfacey matters to the heart of matters and to God's purposes for us. But think about that, the Holy Spirit, God's own presence dwelling within us, that is what brings revelation. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us to understand what is on the Father's heart and mind. In fact, he goes on in verse 10, he says, the Spirit searches all things. The Spirit searches even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Whew, verse 12, that's a revelation that we need. What God has given us. Sometimes we walk around as victims in life because we don't realize who we are. We don't realize what we've been given. We don't walk in that. In verse 13, he says, this is why we speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but rather we use words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit doesn't accept them because they come from the Spirit of God. In fact, they consider them foolishness. They can't even begin to understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Verse 14, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. Talk about not judging people, right? person with the Spirit, you're supposed to judge all things. But a person doesn't make judgments subject to merely human standards. Because who knows the mind of the Lord as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. In verse 16, through the Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. You can know the thoughts of God. You can know His ways through the Spirit. We have revealed to us his very mind, and he also knows what's on our heart and mind. I don't know if any of you have ever felt this way. I know I feel this way right now, especially with people in our family right here who are suffering. I don't even know how to pray anymore. I just feel like throwing my arms up like, Lord, I I'm done. All my words and all my prayers and everything, they're not effective. So, Lord, teach me. And the Lord says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. It's okay if you're in that place if you don't know how you ought to pray. Because it says in verse 26 that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how we ought to pray. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our own hearts also knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So where our words fall short, where our words fall short, when we don't even know what to pray or how to pray, when we are overwhelmed by emotion or desperation, that's where the Spirit begins to work. When we humble ourselves and we realize we don't know what we ought to do or say, we don't even know how to pray at this point, when we humble ourselves to that point, then the Spirit begins to get to work, interceding, and he is the perfect intercessor. Think about these few verses. The Spirit knows the heart and the thoughts of the Heavenly Father. He also knows what's on our hearts, what's on our mind. He knows. 
And so the Spirit knows what is laying so heavy on our hearts and minds. And he knows the plans, and he knows the purpose of the Father. He knows everything, and so he intercedes perfectly. The Spirit knows our need, and he knows the resources of the kingdom, the, the resources that can exceed our needs. So why, why do we not pray in the Spirit more often? It's the perfect intercessory prayer. And it's just wordless moans and groans and sounds. We don't even know what we're saying. But the Spirit is giving us utterance. The Spirit intercedes on our behalf. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. He searches our hearts and He knows the mind of the Father. And He intercedes in accordance to the will of God. It's a perfect intercessory prayer. So why don't we do it more often? Perfect prayers, though they're prayed without a word. Perhaps that's why we're encouraged often in the, in the um, Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So when are we called to pray in the Spirit? All the time, on all occasions. In fact, don't just pray in the Spirit, but pray with all kinds of prayers. Pray with all kinds of requests. With, with this in mind, that we're supposed to be praying on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and praying in the Spirit. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Be alert, be aware of what's happening around you. Not only what is happening in the world, but be aware of what's happening in the spiritual realms so that you can pray and you can intercede. Be praying in the Spirit at all times. Jude, it's a whole chapter, so we're just going to say verses here, 20 and 21. Encourages us, he says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love. Pray in the Holy Spirit. It builds up our faith. Paul teaches a lot to the church in Corinth about praying in the Spirit, about tongues and praying in tongues. And we experienced it here this morning. Praise be to God. He's like, he likes show and tell. He likes object lessons, you know, more than words. Just like Paul, he didn't come with words. He came with a demonstration of the power of God. Whew. And I'm not going to read it all this morning, but we're going to end with just a portion of it here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 14 through 19. Um, four, chapter 14 talks all about the gifts of the Spirit. And he, said, he says here in verse 14 that if I pray in a tongue, praying in tongues, he says, my spirit prays, but my mind's unfruitful. When you pray in the Spirit, you have no idea what you're saying. It makes no sense to me. It, it just, it's just a bunch of sounds, you know? It's utterances that the Spirit's giving me. If I pray in tongues, my Spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll also pray with my understanding. I'll, I'll sing in the Spirit. We don't do that near enough, do we? Singing in the Spirit. We'll sing in the Spirit, and, and we'll also pray with our understanding. We, we do that quite a bit, right? Praying with understanding. We, we even invest in all this technology and words so that we can, we got the understanding part, but you know what you can't invest technology in? The spirit part. That part just comes. That part can only come by the Holy Spirit. So, woo. We will do all these things. However, we'll do all these things. However, when we join together, when we join together, the context changes. Paul's speaking about a couple of different contexts here. When we're alone and when we're together, when we come together in, in the context of the body, when we're corporately joining together in unified prayer, we all want to be able to amen each other so that we can all be built up. Jude, Jude taught us that when we pray in the Spirit, you know, 
we don't understand what we're praying, but we're building up our faith. We're building our faith, and we need to be strong in our faith. And when we come together, it's okay to be praying in the Spirit together, you know, if that's all that we're doing. But, but if, if there's a, a tongue that goes forward, as with Lisa this morning, it's a tongue not just to build my own faith up when I'm just praying in the Spirit quietly. When it comes as a, as a uh, declaration or proclamation, when it's a public tongue, then there ought to be an interpretation so we can all amen it, right? Because I couldn't amen what Lisa said before Marie shared the interpretation. Then I'm like, oh yeah, that is good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I felt my spirit stirring. My, my faith was being built up by the tongue, but you can amen it once you understand what the Lord's saying, right? That's why you need both. That's why he says here in verse 16, otherwise when you're, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer, right? When, when tongues go forth, you're like, okay. They get put in the position of an inquirer. How can they amen it unless someone interprets what they say? Someone can say amen to your thanksgiving because you're giving thanks well enough, but if you're the only one giving thanks, no one else is edified. But, but when it's interpreted, then everybody is edified. The church is built up. In fact, Paul said in verse 18, I thank God that I... Such a humble guy. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Verse 18, he's, he's, he's a really humble dude if you've never caught that throughout the Word of God. He said, but in the church, when you come together... I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct each other than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul is not teaching or preaching against speaking in tongues or praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. He teaches us to do all those things. And there's nothing wrong with any of them. But when we come together, when there's a public tongue given, Let's seek out interpretation. In fact, earlier in that, in that verse, he says that when you give a tongue, pray that you might interpret it. So, you know, you just pray so that the whole church can be built up. But he is teaching us here, teaching us here that when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in the Spirit, we're, we're building up our faith. We're praying this perfect intercessory prayer. It, he doesn't speak anything bad about it. The only caution that he gives about praying in the Spirit is that if you're doing it in the context of the church in a public gathering... Pray that you might interpret it. That way we can all be built up so we know what the Spirit is saying. So why, oh why, do we not pray in the Spirit more often? Praying in the Spirit can be the, 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 like the conduit for that revelation of God. Because the Spirit knows what's on your heart, knows what's on your mind, knows the plans and purposes of God, knows the, what's on the heart and mind of God, and when that intercession happens, he can bring that revelation that changes everything. Oh, that, that's what I did to offend them? Seriously, all these years, I never figured out why it was so awkward around each other. And, oh, Lord, thank you for revealing that. And then he can go and apologize, and the relationship is restored. He can bring revelation, you know, to whatever, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're, you're, you know, you need in life. He can bring the revelation and breakthrough to it. It's a powerful, effective prayer. And some of the most effective and powerful prayers that we can pray is that simplest, simple wordless moan or groan, that perfect intercessory prayer. In fact, that same word that, that Paul uses in Romans chapter 8 for uh, wordless groan, it's the same word for what, the, what God's people were doing in Egypt when they were being oppressed by the new Pharaoh that came in who was afraid of them. God said that his, their groans had reached his ears. 
It's, that, it's the only two times that's used in the New Testament, that Greek word for groan. Think about that. God hears your hardships. They were crying out for salvation, but God didn't say, I heard their prayers. God said, I heard their groans. When they were out there making bricks without straw, God heard that. He hears what is breaking your heart. He hears what has been done to you that has hardened your heart. He hears those things. They come before him. But he wants to release a revelation. He wants to release a revelation that leads you out of bondage into the promises. God wants to release a revelation that will change everything for you. In fact, God says that what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has imagined, those are the things he has planned for you, and those are the things he wants to reveal to you. He wants to pour out that revelation to you. So next week, we're going to dive into prayer, which is communicating with God. You can read all kinds of books and materials about how to pray. We find all kinds of prayers in the Bible, but we're also going to be focusing on the more important part of prayer, hearing God's voice, receiving that revelation. It's going to be good, right? Anybody here want to hear God's voice more clearly? Anybody hungry for that? He's going to teach us how to do it. I don't even know what it's going to be yet. It's going to be that good. Because it's not my plans and purposes and my how-to tutorial. It's going to be the Spirit's how-to tutorial. And you know why there can't be a written book for that? Because you're different from me, if you haven't noticed that yet. We're very different from each other, aren't we? God wants to speak to you the way that he wants to speak to you. He speaks to marine cartoons. I think that is so cool. <laughs> That's how much God loves you. He created you uniquely, on purpose, for a purpose. And he wants to, in his own unique way, communicate with you at all times. So that through the Spirit, that's the one common denominator in all of these things, through the Spirit, we can receive the revelation of God that can transform our lives, transform our relationships, transform our community. We learned last week about that splitting of an atom, transform the world by one simple revelation that releases power. There is a revelation that God has for you that's going to release his power in and through your life in a way that you have never experienced before. It's going to be brand new. It's an adventure. It's exciting. And so, Lord, have your way here among your people. Lord, lift us up above all of these worldly cares and concerns. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you and what you are doing. This world is darkening. There's so much bad news. There's so many things being spoken into my ears that can cause me to be afraid and to be fearful. But Lord, let your voice of truth Speak above everything that could cause fear. Lord, I'm praying for your perfect love right now to drive out every word of fear in everyone's life right now. Those that came in anxious about the future, let them leave here hopeful for the future, excited for the future, because you're doing a work 
You began knitting that new life together. You're going to sustain it. You're going to bring it to full fruition. Lord, the good work that you started in each of our lives, you started it. You're faithful to see it through, and you will finish it. You are the author, the perfecter, the pioneer. You are everything, Lord, of my faith. So, Lord, have your way here in and through us. Let every one of those words on that hope wall be yes and amen and brought to completion this year. Let every, every assignment of the enemy be canceled, stomped on by our feet as we stand firmly on your truth. As we set our faces like flint, unmoved, unshaken at whatever the world throws at us. Because greater are you, Holy Spirit, within me than anything out there in the world. Greater than any demon, greater than Satan himself, greater than anything that this world can throw at us. You are greater, Lord. So we trust not in our own understanding. We trust in you, Lord. Help us to hear your revelation and to walk it out faithfully, even if it makes no sense at all. Help us to walk in accordance to your word and your revelation in your name. Amen. Amen. Sorry, I could go on praying and praying and praying and praying. Yeah. Get excited this year. Revelation, it's coming. It's coming. It's here.